Blog hey, Talk Radio. I did it again, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped in before the lady said her thing. Sorry, lady. Oh, goodness. It's been one of those days. One of those days. Well, you are listening to Girl Power Hour, and I'm Annette Bingham, and Tasha Humphries is here. Hello, Tasha. Hello, Annette. I'm really bummed that Diana Clark, who was supposed to be on our show today, is not going to be able to make it. I was really looking forward to that topic of anxious Mm -hmm. children, how to help them. But you said we are rescheduling her probably for July? Yes, she will be with us in July, and, and in the meantime, we can send out our thoughts and healing energy to her sweet little boy, Liam, who basically ran headfirst into a corner of a table today and ended uh-huh. up needing stitches in his forehead. So she um, had to race him to the ER, and of course, he is okay. He is fine. She's checked in with me, but she will be with him all day. Of course, he needs his mother right now, so we just wish him the best, and 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 a speedy healing to him. Oh, man, I remember doing that when I was little. I tripped and fell and hit right above my upper lip on the corner of a coffee table mm. and busted it yeah. wide open. Scar mm. there, I think. I haven't noticed it while, but I think it's so... It hurt. Poor thing. I know. It's so bad for I know. I know. I was thinking... I know. I was thinking today, man, what a headache that poor sweet baby has. And, you know, of course, anyone out there that has kiddos, I, you all know, those of you who do know me and those of you who have listened to our show, that I do have two dogs, which I consider to be kiddos. Anytime anything is wrong with our kids, it's a it's a bad day for us as parents. So I, I also feel bad I for know. Diana as well. I know she's very anxious herself today. So, again, yes, sending out yes. our love and healing thoughts to both of them. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got the word that Diana couldn't make it, um, and Tasha called and said, hey, what are we going to do? We decided, because this is one of Tasha's favorite subjects, is to talk about the paranormal. And we've also got um, next month, we have Daryl Maloney on, who wrote a book about haunted Lubbock. Um, so we are going to be covering some cool stuff here in Lubbock with his book as we talk to him. And then um, we just thought we would just kind of discuss the paranormal today. Yeah, and I can't tell you how excited I am about it because, um, you know, like you said, we have Daryl Maloney on next month, and I was getting pretty stoked about that because, yes, as Annette mentioned, one of my favorite topics is the paranormal. And honestly, other than having Ron Roberts on to talk about tornadoes, this really is like the, the biggest show for me because I absolutely love severe weather and tornado and uh, ghost stories, and, and both of them terrify me. However, I still love it. So I guess it's one of those things that you're really excited about it, but then when it happens, I freak out. Because Annette's very aware, I've called her many times when I have what I think is a haunting going on, uh, which is typically just my imagination going crazy. But um, she knows that that I tend to panic 
and overreact a bit. We'll talk about that some in the show, I'm sure. Um, but yeah. I've been really excited because Daryl Maloney is coming on to talk about his book, Haunted Lubbock, True Ghost Stories from the Hub of, Hub of the Plains. And um, Annette actually has already purchased this book. I went looking for it at Hastings, both locations here locally in Lubbock, and was unable to find it. They have sold out. So it's a very popular book. I'm ordering it from Amazon. Actually, have already ordered it. It should be in within the next two days. And I'm looking forward to reading yeah, I've started, it. I've, yeah, I've started reading it. And really interesting stories of local people and local places, which, you know, you don't always find uh, just local stories. Um, yeah. And so many of them. So it's it's really really kind of interesting and you've got um, like addresses and stuff so you can drive by houses and stalk them if you want to I guess and <laughs> ask to take pictures and meet their ghosts and you know, don't do that please don't do that I did not say that out loud it would be if you would do it, it don't don't say that we told you to that's the key part no, right there no. don't say that we told you Mm-mm. no but, but, but I'm excited it, to have him on, and then the week after that, we have Elizabeth Harbin back. Of course, this is another person that I've become a huge fan of, and she's going to be doing some on-air readings. And so we have a couple of paranormal weeks, uh, topics of paranormal that weekend or that month in May, and, and I'm excited about that. And so being able to do this um, today is, well like a dream come true because I was thinking that I was going to have to wait until the middle of May before my favorite topic, uh, but now here it is. And the <laughs> beauty of it is we have an author right here with us every Wednesday who has already written a book, A View from the Threshold, True Ghost Stories and Other Spirit Encounters, about her own, own experiences. I don't know if anybody out there listening knows this, but... Annette's been seeing dead people since she was little. And she's also been a paranormal (laughs) investigator. And so she wrote this book talking about her experiences, ghost stories that she's experienced, and and her own experiences with spirit as well. So that's what we're going to be discussing today is that book and then some of the experiences she's had. And I'm super excited about it because I bug her about these things all the time, constantly trying to get her to tell me stories. She won't always share. So, thank you. Have to. <laughs> I I could just click off and end the show right now. <laughs> I am in control of the panel, you know. So. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't be fair. <clears throat> so I, so I do want I want to start with just asking you first of all. And for everybody out there that's listening, because I don't think that everyone out there knows, there's a difference, right, between ghosts and, let's say, residual energy or spirits. I mean, talk to us about the difference in those before we ever even dive in. Well, you know, for me, when I talk about ghosts or spirits, I'm talking about basically the same thing, um, just okay. interchangeable words. and. To me, a ghost or spirit is like a person or animal who's died, basically. Um, So it can be a loved one. It can be, you know, somebody that lived in the house before you or an animal that even lived there before you. Um, But there are some differences with um, ghosts and spirits. There are like earthbound spirits or ghosts. 
And those are the, the people or the animals who, for some reason, has remained someplace or attached to some person. So you've got that, you know, that's where the hauntings usually come in, where people have visits from spirits and and uh, a lot of times I usually consider those like long-term visits, the haunting. But then you've got like just visits from a loved one in a dream or um, in your home where you see them or you feel them or you hear them. Uh, even smell is a big thing. Um, and I've got a story about that too with um, spirits. You can also smell familiar smells like perfumes. So you've got residual hauntings too where it's like a tape player going over and over and over again. There's no really intelligence to it. There's no interaction. But, um, you know, you can sense or feel or even see sometimes the uh, tapes being played over and over and over again. So that's just kind of a real brief um, understanding of what it what ghosts and spirits are. Now, with residual energy, because this is something I just am curious about personally. Um, so you say it's like a tape that plays over and over. There's no intelligence to it, meaning that, like, obviously, if you were to ask it to turn on a light or turn off a light or make a noise or knock on a door, it wouldn't respond to anything that you requested because it's it's just energy that's residual. It's not actually the spirit or ghost of a person who's passed away or an animal. It's a it's just energy. But in that residual energy, something that's just there, how does that happen? How does that how does something get you know how does residual energy get trapped in a space? That's a really good question because um, I don't think that we really know why it does. Um, sometimes it could be, and, and there could be many multiple reasons. Sometimes it could be uh, possibly the intensity of what happened. Um, for instance, a murder. Um, you might, that tape may be playing over and over about a portion of that or all of it, you know, uh, it imprints on that energy within that space. Um, so, or somebody that loved something so deeply that it left that imprint on that space. Um, and I, I do believe that certain geological, you know, things, I think, you know, crystals and and certain stones can hold certain energies. So that could be, you know, something got imprinted in the space during that. So there's, you know, who knows why it gets imprinted, but sometimes it does. And when it does, it's just that over and over and over again. And is that how, like, something... You know, a lot of times people caution against bringing antiques into your home without cleansing them, which I know we are also going to be talking on the show today about, about clearing a space and cleansing your home. That's something else that Annette does. She she will go into your home and clear it if you feel like you're having um, issues with a haunting or residual energy. But is that why, like, sometimes people caution you not to bring those into your home without first clearing them because they can have residual energy 
on them? Is that what that is about? Is that the concern, I guess? Yes, they can have residual energy, and I also believe that they can have um, intelligent energy attached to it also. So when you've got especially jewelry, jewelry seems, and I don't know if it's because it's usually metal and stones or, you know, what it is, um, but a lot of times jewelry holds a lot of energy, um, and it could be just just the residual negative energy or the residual, you know, positive energy even um, attached to it. Sometimes I do believe, though, there is an intelligent type of energy that can attach to certain objects and for whatever reason. And, you know, I always tell people, I don't know all the answers and nobody does. And if anybody tells you that they know all this beyond a reasonable doubt, I would be very cautious because I don't think we can. I don't think we're capable of knowing everything about spirit world or death or the paranormal or whatever. Um, So, but yes, furniture and jewelry, antique, definitely needs to be cleansed. And I, I would go so far as to say any item that you bring into your home, like furniture that you buy from a store or um, a car that you buy, new or used, always cleanse it because you never know who's been in it, who's sat in it, what rubbed off on it. <laughs> you know, you need to cleanse it. Yeah, I never thought about a car, but that's absolutely right. A used used car. By all means, clean it in every way possible, including spiritually. Yeah. yeah. Now as far as your as far as your book is concerned, okay, uh, just to give everyone an idea again, and, and this book is available at Amazon dot com. You can go and, and purchase it online. It's you can get the Kindle version or you can get uh can you get a paperback or just the Kindle version? That- no, it's only Kindle. There's uh two books. There's book one and book two. They're small books. And I'm uh, getting ready to bundle them so that you can just get both of them at one time. And the reason I did that is I put the first one out and um, quickly because I procrastinate and I knew if I didn't do it quickly then I would procrastinate some more and it still wouldn't be out. Um, So I put that one out and then finished the other stories and and put those out too, but I am going to bundle those so that uh, they go into one book. Nice. Good. So then people can purchase, purchase them both at the same time, but for now they can, they can go and purchase each one separately, correct? For the Kindle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just so everybody knows, those are available at Amazon.com. Again, the one that we're discussing today is a view from the threshold, true ghost stories and other spirit encounters. Now, you'll notice, first of all, let me say, you'll notice that it's under Frances Bingham. That's her author name. So when you see Frances Bingham, don't be confused. It is Annette Bingham's book. Um, I just want you to tell everyone exactly, you know, what inspired you to write this and where, where your experiences come from. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I have always been interested in the paranormal and all sort of all things 
uh, not normal um, from the time I That's why we're friends. Yes, we're not normal. (laughs) Um, But I, I, you know, I read things like Bigfoot and Loch Ness, and I'm still fascinated with Bigfoot. I still know Bigfoot is out there, folks. If anybody wants to take me on a Bigfoot hunt, I would be thrilled. But um, anyway, but I would read everything uh, I could about paranormal. And uh, my mom was also very interested in the paranormal. So it was something that I had, I guess I just was born with it, just interested in angels and guides and um, ghosts and hauntings and, um, I mean, everything. So I started at a very young age, always very interested in it. Had a a, a so-called imaginary friend in one house I lived in when I was in kindergarten. And um, after a while I realized he was not imaginary. He was he was a real kid that had just died. And I don't know where wow. he came from. I of course I was too young at the time to ask the questions. I just enjoyed playing with him in my room. You know, we played all kinds of games and and um I can still tell you how he dressed and <laughs> you know. Um so it was it was uh started very early. Did your I have to interrupt you because that's extremely interesting. Did your mom ever ask you about this friend? I mean, was did anyone else ever realize that there was more to it than an imaginary friend? My mom was always interested in this too. I mean, I grew up watching horror movies from the time I was in kindergarten on up. And um people would probably think my mom was a horrible mother because she let me watch those things, but they didn't, you know, unless my brother scared me, it didn't bother me. Um, They were kind of interesting to me and fun, but um, we always were interested. My mom was too. And so I think she, although she never outwardly said anything, um, she never shamed me for it. She never said, Oh, he's just imaginary. You know, um, tell her about my friend, and she would go, okay. (laughs) Wow. I think she kind of knew. What made you realize realize he was was not an imaginary friend? You said that at some point you realized that. I mean, was there – how did you realize? How did you come to know that? Well, I was in kindergarten, and um, as I got older – I started looking back on that experience and realized that um, he was just too real. I mean, he was too real, um, solid, you know, uh, very real. And at that point in time, I was, let's see, I was born in 54. So, you know, it was, getting close to the 60s and 
and I was living in Arizona, and it was a, uh, oh, even in Arizona back then, it was um, not as segregated as Texas was, but um, there was still some segregation, and my little friend was dark-skinned. So I really believe, and I cannot, for the life of me right now, I cannot remember his name, but he even told me his name. And, man, I wish I could remember it, but it was a Spanish, you know, Hispanic name. So um, he was not a little white boy like, you know, I would normally in that time and in, in, in place, how would I have, it just didn't make sense to me because I didn't right. have that experience with other cultures and other races and I just didn't have that experience because we moved from Texas to Arizona and it was still pretty segregated. So right. it just made more sense to me that he was real. Wow. Okay. And so then... I remember you telling me, because I have always asked people, I've always asked Annette, have you ever been scared? Because for me, again, love ghost stories, love the paranormal. paranormal. I'll watch shows about it all the time. I love scary movies. But at the end of the day, I'm terrified. And before I go to sleep, I'm checking, you know, every area of my apartment and um, saying prayers and anything I can to protect me from anything evil that I might have conjured while I was watching one of those movies. So I'm terrified of it. So I cannot imagine, you know, actually seeing, because you don't just experience sounds and stuff. You see them. And so I cannot imagine seeing them and not being scared of it. So I remember you telling me a story that there's only one time in your life that you were ever scared of something. Yeah. Um, and that was before I really um, uh, really got into the investigation. I was in high school. So I was still, you know, not understanding as much as I do now about experiences like that. Um, I We lived, um, and I joke about it in the book, because at that point in time we lived in a trailer park, and I always tell people no trailer park jokes, you know. It was a very nice place. <laughs> it was a great trailer. But um, anyway, I um, had a little room. It was a very tiny room. If anybody knew the um mobile homes back then, most of the rooms were very tiny, except for like the master bedroom. Well, mine was just like a place to walk beside the bed and um, space at the foot of the bed, and then there was my closet and drawers. Um, And we did have a cat at that time. Um, So I went to bed one night, and I rolled over facing the wall to go to sleep and I thought I felt the cat jump up on the bed and then I realized that my door was closed and the cat wasn't in there and it felt as if there was somebody that took like one or two steps where I literally kind of rolled because it was so heavy um, to my back 
and it was like something was standing there. And standing on your bed? I, on my bed. It was like somebody had stepped up on my bed and walked to my back, where my back was. And I could feel myself trying to roll, you know, how when you something you're something you're sinking and you're trying, you know, kind of rolling to the bed, you know, in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I didn't, uh, I was panicked. I mean, I was really scared because I didn't know what it was and I realized it's not the cat because the cat didn't weigh that much and the cat wasn't in my room. So I finally got up enough courage to turn over and when I turned, whatever it was just kind of lifted off the bed. I never saw anything. I don't know if it, what it was to this day. I still don't know what it was. But I grabbed my pillow and blanket and went into the living room. I slept in the living room the rest of the time that I was in, lived there. I never went back to my bedroom wow. to sleep. So that was wow. the so, okay. only time that I was scared. Now, that scared you because, I'm, I'm asking you, did it scare you because because you didn't know what it was, because you couldn't see it, because you or and because you weren't really yet sure, you know, of your gifts, I guess? Or was it something that you felt? Was there a negative energy attached? I know you don't believe in demons, so like, you, but I know you do believe there are negative negative energies. Yeah, and, I didn't feel anything other, you know, I mean, I didn't feel one way or another towards this, I think the reason I was so afraid is because I didn't have any kind of an understanding yet of the different kinds of spirit. Um, You know, I mean, it could have been my guide. I can't imagine my guide doing that to me and scaring the heck out of me. But, you know, um, I, I, who knows? But Maybe uh, you have a prankster for a guide. I doubt it. That would explain a lot. <laughs> I do know, I do know my God, one, uh, and I know people say this a lot, but I've had it verified by a couple of people, two or three people actually, that one of my, my main guide um, is Indian, and he was uh, my father at one point in time in a past life. Wow. So that. and he has a fantastic sense of humor. So it might, you know, who knows? It could have been. So him. it was definitely him. So okay, it, it, now when we say guides, we're talking about spirit guides, just for clarification out there. But so from that moment forward, you didn't sleep in your room. That's going to be pretty scary because you slept somewhere else completely after that. After that moment, that has to be pretty scary. Yeah, I was scared. I, I you know, because I didn't understand yet. And I look back now then, and think, why didn't I go back in there and you know, try to figure it out? But you know. yeah. So then when did you start? You didn't understand it then. I mean, when did you start to understand that you had this gift and what it was? When did you, became, when did you become so interested in it that you did become, because you, like I said, you did paranormal investigations, still want to do them. You know, you, you did them when you live in Dallas and you still wish to do them. So, I mean, when did you become aware of it and really get interested to the point that you wanted to investigate um, paranormal activity? 
Well, my first experience was actually in junior high. Um, and I, I had where I actually saw something other than my friend, you know, my playmate. But um, in junior high is when I actually saw something and I was interested then in, okay, what is this? Why am I seeing this type of thing? Um, when I got into, when I had that experience in high school, I still hadn't figured it all out yet. So it was, I was an adult before I really um, began to figure things out. Um, actually, uh, when I took uh, my Reiki class for the first time, it really opened up some doors and um, allowed me to be a little more open to to things. So, um, first saw something in junior high, and then it just kind of progressed from there. So, how did you get involved with the paranormal investigations team? How did I get involved with them? I believe somebody. Um, I believe somebody just recommended me um, because I had done some investigations when I was in Odessa, and then when I moved to Dallas, oh, um, I, I remember now. It was actually you remember MySpace. <laughs> Yes, and do you remember uh, MySpace? I think I still have an account somewhere out there in cyber world. I'm sure I do sometimes, someplace too. But um, one of my uh, friends was looking for somebody to um, do an investigation for them, um, and I volunteered. And from then on, I worked with them for quite a while, um, doing different investigations and and um, house clearings and, you know, trying to help the people living in the homes and the businesses understand what was going on. Okay, so I don't want to give the book away. Obviously, I want people to read it. I want people to go and read the book, and, and, and they can read your stories there, but but I know you have a million of experiences because this is throughout a lifetime. I know you don't cover all of them in your book, but can you tell me, you, you and I shared a story, we, and I actually talked to Annette about potentially playing this online but or on the air, but I don't think that we have the capabilities or we can't track down the recording, but I would like for you to share the story, and I don't even know if this is in your book, about the time no, that you were investigating... Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. The time that you were investigating mm -hmm. and um, you had an investigator with you, and I don't know if you were in, ha in a house or what, but you, you already know where I'm going. So tell this story yeah. and, and tell us where you were. Well, uh, I was contacted to go, um, I can't remember, I think I want to say it was Snyder uh, to drive all the way from Dallas to Snyder um, to do an investigation. And so... Um, I went, I always take my car, um, just kind of a thing I do. I don't like to ride with other people to investigations. So I took my car and um, met the team, and there was another medium there um, 
and we did a walk through the house, and there was some stuff going on in one bedroom in particular um, that we both picked up on, and the other medium did pick up on um, a man that um, was not really a nice guy. Um, I, you know, I, a lot of the details are escaping me as far as what he picked up, but um, he did his thing in the bedroom and um, uh, where he connected with that energy and gave some information, and then um, he left, and then I was asked to go in and do a record, you know, uh, a recording where they tape record, they ask questions and tape record and see if they can pick up any answers. So we were sitting there and um, the one of the investigators said, you know, well, um, why are you still here? And I said he doesn't know where to go. And we went on from there, you know, some questions. And um, so we were going to another investigation a couple of weeks later. And she said, I've got to have you listen to this. And when we sat, when we sat down to listen to the tape, when she asked the question, why are you still here? There was the word, clear as day, a man's voice saying, lost. And then you hear me say he doesn't know where to go. Wow. Um, that was one of the best uh, EVPs that, you know, I've ever heard. It was very, very clear that it was a man's voice that he said lost. So and you were just picking up on that, I'm guessing, or were you hearing it? Were you just picking up on that energy from this person? That was, that was the feeling that I got. I don't always hear words. A lot of times I pick up on the, just the energy of the person, the, the feelings, and he just felt like he didn't know where, where to go. Wow. So... Okay, you talked about having these recordings and stuff, and I'm curious because, again, I watch all these all these shows and scare myself <laughs> to death. Um, do they use EMF detectors and all of the equipment that we see them use, you know, on Ghost Adventures and all this? Of it? Do they, is that equipment actually commonly used in these paranormal investigations? Oh, they should be. Okay. Because any time they go, yeah, they... Anytime you go into an investigation, I always go in very skeptical. I go in thinking, oh, there's nothing here. You know, we're not going to see anything, hear anything, no pictures, nothing. Um, but, I mean, it's got to be proven to me because I'm I'm just really skeptical when I go in. But the, the EVPs, the, and they're just, you know, voice recording and the EMF pick up electrical, magnetic field, um, and, of course, the cameras. And the EMF is a really um, good tool because it picks up on, um, for instance, there's one house we went into, and 
where they were feeling a lot of anxiety and going into this one bedroom and they were thinking, oh, this ghost, you know, whatever. It was actually um, the electrical box was not wired right. So it was putting out way too much juice and it was causing people to feel anxiety. That happens with EMS. If there's too much stuff going on, then you start feeling anxious, and you can even have hallucinations and things like that. So it's important to do, in an investigation, to do a walkthrough with all the little tools and stuff. And then if they choose to have a medium or psychic go in, then they go in afterwards, um, after the cameras are set up and after, you know, they do a walkthrough to make sure everything's kosher and, you know, nothing's going on. Um, then the medium goes through and sees what they pick up. And I always chose not to know anything about the situation. I, I had an address, and that was it. You know, that it brings up a couple of good points for me because, um, you know, I, I'm the opposite of a skeptic. <laughs> I go in and every little noise is a ghost, in my opinion. So I was watching this show recently. It's basically the antithesis of Ghost Adventures because I feel like they always see something. And um, whenever this particular show, whenever they formed a team, they didn't just have uh, a medium and like a paranormal investigations team like the that you would traditionally see. They also mm-hmm. had a home inspector that would go in and do a full inspection of the home. Um, You know, he was a licensed home inspector, and he would go in and do a full inspection of the home and basically debunk every issue that the client was having with normal day-to-day physical aspects of the house, which, honestly, I liked a lot. It made a lot of sense to me. Um, You know, for instance, there was one case where – people were hearing mice, even though there was no mice in the house. And and actually, he found no evidence of of mice either. And so they were wondering what this squeaking noise was. But right outside their window, which was not insulated, um, was a clothing line, you know, which has a crank on it. And so when the neighbor Uh would be cranking clothes out on their clothing line, it would Mm -hmm. make this squeaking noise. So all of these things, you know, were easily debunked. And you know, I think that's so important that people do have that aspect first, that they think first in, in um, maybe finding, you know, um, an earthly explanation for it. I don't want to say rational mm-hmm. or logical because I don't think it's I don't think it's irrational to believe that spirits exist, but I do think that there are often earthly reasons that things are happening. And the second point, and this is where I really want you to jump in because I know we've talked about this before. I don't want to slander any celebrities on our show, but how often did you actually encounter – I mean, is it very rare to pick up recordings? Because, you know, when you watch some of these shows, they're always recording ghosts. They're always seeing something. There's always something happening. Is it really that active when you're going into these day-to-day <laughs> investigations? Um, no. Um. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, some of them can be pretty boring because you'll sit there and you'll walk through and you'll do recording after recording and picture after picture and you're just 
going, okay, anything, you know, just do anything. If you're here, just do anything. And, you know, a lot of times there's there's not anything there. Um, recordings, they're using things like spirit boxes, which pick up certain words that can actually, and I've never used one, so I don't know if they work or not, but uh, from what I've seen, they're supposed to, where you can actually, you know, like have a conversation. Um, but um, pictures and uh, voice recordings um, are very rare. I mean, really and truly, very, very rare. And sometimes in a home, I've had this happen where they thought that there was something paranormal going on. Um, it was just actually the uh, emotional turmoil, I guess, within the household that's creating um, the negative energy that they're feeling. So there's nothing really parent. well, no ghost, but just the negative energy within the household. Um, and I've actually had to sit down with, which was not easy, um, sit down with a, a family and say, you know, there's no ghost here, but this is what's going on. And it made a lot of sense to them. Um, and I hope they got it resolved. I never hear back. But, um, yeah, it's very rare that you get. Now, you have, you you know, have had experiences. Like in Dallas, I remember you telling me you took – Jess with you, uh, your son with you, uh, one of your sons with mm-hmm. you to a investigation, and I can't remember where you were. I, I believe it was a it was some sort of commercial building, some you know a, a business of some sort, and you were upstairs and oh. you actually saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my one of my sons worked in San Angelo in the old downtown area uh, that it had been a ta- was a tattoo shop at the at that time. And the lady who owned it was redoing uh, the upstairs, and she was, you know, she was a contractor, so she was doing some of the work herself. And um, so she was upstairs a lot, but there would be a lot of times that people would hear loud walking upstairs, uh, things moving, uh, and nobody was up there, you know, because she wasn't there and nobody went up there. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, a different feel. And so my other son and I, uh, my two sons and I spent the night there. Uh, stuff done so it was very uncomfortable because I kept expecting, you know, whatever it was to be standing in the doorway and wake me up, you know, and I'd have to go, okay, this is not cool. <laughs> I need to sleep. But we, um, uh, before we went to bed, we did go upstairs um, and sit in the dark. Um, we were sitting there, and I was just, because I, I had heard the steps myself, and I had felt when I was upstairs that something was up there. And so as we were sitting, I was just kind of being open and asking questions and um 
And I saw a man up there, um, had a hat on, dressed with the old wool-type pants and boots, which would explain the stomping, uh, the walking back and forth, and uh, fairly young, probably in his early 30s. And um, I sat there and just kind of didn't talk much. He was very shy. He kind of stayed behind one of the air conditioning ducts most of the time, but then he would step out every now and then, and I could get a better look at him. And I was shocked because he asked me, why is that woman doing man's work? And I just, I just kind of like, what? Because <laughs> I've never had him ask me a question like that before. And I said, well, because she owns the building and she knows how to do it, and this is her job, and, and women do that now. <laughs> they can build things, and they can do electrical work. And, and um, Yeah, he's, he's lucky he didn't encounter me. I would have been a different <laughs> – I would have been having this whole – feminist conversation yeah. with a ghost. I don't know how well that would have gone over. And he was probably from the 1800s, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm really not sure. He never really, you know, I, I don't know all the details of what he was doing there, but um, it was kind of interesting. And then we had a fairly peaceful night uh, the rest of the night. We did hear things. Um, in the kitchen moving around a little bit but other than that and it was like um, and he smoked which made it really bad because um, I'm really allergic to smoke and um, at one point in time I had to tell him to stop, cut it out you know, stop smoking but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting I love the old buildings Love the old building. Now, you know, there's a joke in there about a ghost that's smoking, right? You can't really tell them to quit smoking because that stuff's going to kill them because they're not gone. So, yeah. um, but, the, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is you have smelled that before because I remember you telling me another story about being in a house, I believe it was a house, where there was complaints of, you know, cabinets being open and, and the smell of smoke and um, you saw someone sitting at the kitchen table. Yeah, that was a that was um, that was actually three different ghosts was there. Well, okay, let me let me put it to you this way: two ghosts and uh, one I don't know what um, who liked to play jokes. Um, Ooh, tell us that story. Um, a friend of Jess's, my son's. they were saying that they had ghosts in their house and that they wanted me to come and see, you know, what I could pick up. And so I, um, Jess was going to drive over there and Lindsay was with us too. And what I didn't know is the whole family, their whole family was going to show up for this thing, you know, and I felt like, oh gosh, I I feel like a circus act, you know. Um, But we uh, pulled up and hesitated to go in. Um, 
but I already knew that there were three three ghosts or three spirits in there. And um, I, uh, when I did go in, because I had kind of been chatting with them on the way over there, kind of connecting with them. And when I went in, all three greeted me at the front door. And it's, it's like a, not really being smothered, but you can just feel being compressed by energy. And so they all three kind of met at the door. And um, so we were doing a walk through the house. And in one of the, the bedrooms, um, one of the ghosts was, um, I always said that if he had been alive or I had been dead, we would have been together because he was handsome and funny and flirted. And um, he was quite quite the character. He was the ghost of a, of a Texas ladies' man. Yes, uh, he was. He was handsome. Had a mustache and dark hair. And um, what I didn't know is that the family had taken a picture of somebody, um, one of the family members, and there was his silhouette next to the person. Wow! Really cool. But then I connected with the. The jokester, I'm not sure what that was. And then there was a a cat that was in the house that had died. You know, it kept staying out of the corner of my eye. Uh, but in the kitchen, there was, uh, this was the first time this happened to me. Um, I went into the kitchen and I felt like somebody was sitting at the kitchen table. And eventually I, I got an image of him. And I started... Um, Jess was kind of, he would come in and check on me every now and then. Um, but I started taking over the kind of movements that this guy was making uh, and didn't realize it. Um, and Jess would come in and say, oh, are you okay? And I'm going, yeah, I think so. Um, but the guy did move over so that I could sit at the chair that he was sitting in. And... Um, so distraught, uh, so sad, so depressed. Uh, it was a horrible, horrible feeling. And so I, um, when I left, I just asked to find out, you know, before I went to bed, I just said, I need more information on him. And um, during the night, I woke up and had the impression that he had been schizophrenic in his lifetime, and that um, he hadn't crossed because he was afraid of God's wrath. Now, that's a term I would have never used, um, never have used God's wrath, but he was afraid of that. So um, I worked with him remotely, and the lady who lived there worked with him um, so that he could cross over. And he eventually did. It took a long time, but we did finally convince him that, you know, he he could leave and he would be okay. But mm. um, yeah, that was that was kind of sad. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's one thing I know that you do as well. You have helped them cross, and and I and I do want to talk. I know we're about to run out of time, and I do want to talk about 
the fact that you clear houses too. But real quick before we do that, when you say the jokester, you don't know what that was. Again, I know you don't believe in demons, but I, is there times, are there times when you encounter or have encountered energy that was, that is not residual, but it was also never human? Um, yeah, I believe that there's uh, elemental type energies, and I think probably what was in that house was elemental. And I had another experience with an elemental type energy um, that was at another home. Um, that they're not human; they're made from the elements and the energies of the elements, and uh, you know, I don't know what people might call them. Uh, but I've always just called them elementals because they just don't, they're not human. Um, they're not evil, but they're just not human. And they tend to be more um, of jokesters or pests than anything else. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good explanation. All right. And then I also know, and again, because we're, running out of time, I want to say, again, this the book, if you want to read the stories, um, they're detailed, they're great. Uh, experiences that Annette's actually had, these are not made-up folklore, <laughs> these are experiences that Annette has actually had on paranormal investigations and throughout her life. So it's a view from the threshold, true ghost stories and other spirit encounters. You can get it at Amazon.com for your Kindle. Um, she also has a second book, which will also be at some point bundled so that you can get both um but annette also goes into homes and clears them and and she she's actually done that for i refer to him as the mister all the time on facebook but for for my significant other she has done that in his home and it was very successful thank you for that but um tell us really quickly you know how you do that what you offer because i know people listening certainly there are people that have experiences in their homes or at least feel negative energy in their homes and would love to know how to clear it or how to get you to clear it for them. Yeah, a lot of times it's not ghosts or hauntings or anything like that. It's, it's like I said before, negative energies, uh, either by what's going on in the household, a whole other story about teenagers being in the household and their energy. Um, You know, um, it can be cleared um, and I usually go in and do a cleansing of the entire house. And then I work with the people to show how to keep themselves cleared and how to keep their space cleared. And it's, it's done by smudging, intention. Um, you know, intention is a huge part of it. Um, and just learning how to do it for yourself uh, regularly so that that negativity doesn't build back up again. And if there is a an actual haunting or something that you need to get rid of, um, then, you know, I can I can help those things, those people or animals or whatever uh, cross over. Um, and, of course, that's still on their time. But it's, it's done with smudging. Um, I use many different things, sage, uh, Palo Santo, uh, sweet grass, um, incense. There's lots of different things that you can use to cleanse the house. And like I said, it is most of it is intention um, and just 
getting your, your head wrapped around it and raising the vibration of the energy around you. So if anybody wants to have that done in their home because they're feeling these energies or negative energies or even feel like they have a haunting or a spirit in their house, how do they reach you? How do they contact you in order to get you to do that for them? They can just get on my Facebook page and at Bingham. Um, they can email me, text me. My number's on there. My email's on there. Um, uh, and just I can chat with them and let them know, you know, how we need to proceed. Perfect. And since we both co-host the show, if anybody out there does want to reach Annette and you don't have her as a friend and you can't find her, you're searching her, you can't find her on Facebook, well, then you can just go to our Girl Power Hour page. It's facebook.com backslash Girl Power Hour. Send us a message. That message will obviously get to Annette because she co-hosts this with me. Thank you, Annette, for telling us about your book today and all your okay. stories and experiences. I know we didn't get to share all of them, but just being able to tell us about your your uh, inspiration for the book and, and the stories and experiences you could share with us. I, I could talk to you for days about it, as you well know. So thank you for doing this for us today. Oh, no problem. I enjoyed it. And next week we have Courtney Headley, who's going to be here. Super and excited she about is, that. Oh, I know. She is the creative behind the Hollowbound skincare product, um, which I absolutely adore and in love with, and I, I'm, like, addicted to. Um, and she's also a lead singer in Red Dirt Rock, which they're fantastic. Uh, her and her husband and some other people got together just to stand together, and they are wonderful, just homegrown, Lubbock people. And um, Courtney has so many different things that she does um, that's so creative. I mean, from dance to helping women, you know, love who they are, whatever their their size, their shape, their, their you know, how they think they look. She really is an inspiration um, to women in that sense. And I really look forward to having her on the show. So... Um, we'll get more information out there as time comes, but you can always go to our Blog Talk Radio uh, page and follow us and go to our Girl Power Hour Facebook page and like us, please. We love to be liked. And, um, but we will, we will be back next Wednesday at 3 o'clock sharp with Courtney And we are very excited. So everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.